Welcome to Servant's Heart Chapel. Glad you could make it. This is Pastor Daryl, and I hope that today's episode is a special blessing to you. So here we go. What we're going through right now. Years ago, when I, I my my cousin and I were sitting in the living room with my grandfather, both of us were going to a Bible college and and planning on going into preaching, going into the ministry. And I turned to my grandfather and asked, uh, you say, you have two grandsons here that are considering going into the ministry. What word of advice would you have for us? He could have said a lot of different things. But he looked at me, and without much thought at all, just almost automatic, he said four words. Stay on your knees. I believe there's a lot of truth and a lot of power to that. There's not staying on your knees is, is means success not just as a preacher, but as a Christian, as a man of God, as a woman of God. It's important for us to stay on our knees. And today we are going to talk about two parables that Jesus gave on the the importance of persistence and humility. In prayer, he could have talked about a lot of different things. He could have given a lot of different parables, a lot of different lessons. But there are two lessons here that he made it a point to share and make sure that it went into the scripture canon. I want to remind you that what a parable is. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you forgot what a parable is. A parable is simply a story that illustrates a heavenly reality using earthly objects. Earthly things representing and explaining heavenly realities. And so Jesus tells two parables here on the value of persistence and humility in prayer. Jesus felt like these lessons were important. How many of you, and I, I, this is a rhetorical question because I've got everybody on mute, but how many of you want to improve your prayer life? And I like to assume most, if not all of you, would like to improve your prayer life, like to make it better. I, there is so much written on prayer. I could preach a sermon series for a year, or at least a year, on prayer. There's so much to be said. Um, here's a few quotes about prayer. We need more Christians for whom prayer is the first resort, not the last. No answer to prayer is an indication of our merit. Every answer to prayer is an indication of God's mercy. Waiting for an answer to prayer is often the answer. There's a great difference between praying to God about something and mentioning it to Him in passing. The real secret of prayer is secret prayer. We can't expect to live defectively and pray effectively. No man can pray spiritually who prays selfishly. And finally, prayer is not the least we can do. It's not the least we can do. It is the most. These are just a tiny few of the hundreds I found online. Prayer is of great value to us. And ever since 28 years ago, 17 years old, when I decided to stop messing around and start trying to live God's way, 
Prayer became very important to me because I knew how important it was for the Christian life. So I began the school of prayer. I've read dozens of books on prayer. I have researched the Bible and everything it has to say about prayer. I've, I've, I've followed the Spirit's leading as the Lord has taught me about prayer. And I, one thing, one major lesson I learned, I'm going to share this with you. Prayer is not just a speech. People complain to me, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. It's not a speech. You don't have to say flowery words or use an extensive vocabulary to pray well. Prayer is attention on God. Prayer is focusing your attention on God. It's conversation, yes, but it's also meditation. Your thought, thinking about the things of God, thinking about Him and His Word, it's mindfulness towards the Lord. That's what prayer is. And prayer was very important to Jesus. He spent a lot of time in prayer. In fact, there were some times that He and the disciples were so busy tending to the needs of others, they didn't even have time to eat. And right in the middle of that big rush, he pulled the disciples out and and, 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 and and had them follow him to a remote area for what? For prayer. Just being alone with God. And right now, at this time where a lot of us are, are, are stuck at home or mostly at home with our families, this is a perfect time to build that family altar, to build that habit, to get down on our knees before the Lord and make it a daily make prayer a daily habit. And it says if it's important to Jesus, it must be important to us. And so today I'm going to give you two lessons provided by these parables that will improve your prayer life. If you pay attention today, and if you listen to the Lord's leading in your heart, I believe wholeheartedly that you will walk away today with a plan, a clear plan to improve your prayer life, to make it better. So the first parable, beginning with verse 1 in chapter 18, is the parable of the persistent widow. Verse 1, he, now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. Praying always. That is a huge thing. You know, Paul really, the Apostle Paul really took that theme and ran with it. In his letter to the Romans, he wrote, Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. To the Ephesians, he wrote, and With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance, petition for all saints. To the Philippians, he wrote, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. To the Colossians, 
he wrote, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. To the Thessalonians, he wrote, pray without ceasing. We're to pray always. And Jesus taught this. He said, and I love it right front, the very beginning. Right up front at the very beginning. He gives us the, uh, the explanation, the point of this parable. On the need to pray always and not become discouraged. It's easy to become discouraged. Say, Pastor, I've been praying that my loved one gets saved. I've been praying to be free from, from a sin that, that I keep tri tripping over. And Jesus says here, don't become discouraged. Don't give up. And he explains why. Let's, let's get into it. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. So this is an evil guy. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. So she goes to court and asking for justice against this person who is, is working against her. And for a while he was unwilling Probably because it didn't benefit him. Didn't benefit him financially. Or some other way. And he didn't care about her or God. So, And he said he was unwilling. But later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. He can get sick of her. Always coming around. Then the Lord said, verse 6, listen to what the unjust judge says. So he pointed out, what did that judge just say? Verse 7, will not God grant justice to his elect to cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. There's a difference between our situation and the situation of the widow. The widow got justice finally after uh, bugging the judge over and over again. We have a parable of contrast here. Contrasting um, the widow with us. Let's look at that. Number one, first, the, the widow was a stranger to the judge. The judge didn't care about her uh, one bit, but we are God's children. Praise the Lord. The widow did not have open access, didn't have easy access to the judge, uh, a way to, to convince the judge to, to, uh, to follow along with, with her wishes. But God's children have open access. Did you know that? Did you know that Ephesians 2.18 says, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Through Jesus Christ we have access to the Father. The widow didn't have an advocate. But according to 1 John 2.1, we have an advocate. It's written, My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The widow had no promises she could claim. 
But we have promises of God in His Word. In fact, Luke 11, 9 through 10 says, So I, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. The widow had no internal helper, but we have the Spirit who helps us pray. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, In the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should. You ever been like that? You don't know what to pray for. Well, guess what? That verse continues. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Praise the Lord. The widow came to a court of law, but we come to a throne of grace. Praise the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, it says, Therefore, since we have had a high, great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but the one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Praise the Lord. The, the widow pled out of her poverty but we plead from the perspective of God's plenty in, in Philippians we read Philippians 4.19 and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ the, the judge was unrighteous but God is righteous the judge could be bribed. God can't be bribed or argued with. The judge answered for fear of her of her wearying him. But God answers for his glory and our good. Remember that. God answers for his glory and our good. Praise the Lord. Let's continue with this verse here. Uh, verse 8. Nevertheless... Nevertheless means in spite of, in spite of that fact. Uh, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Powerful rhetorical question there. When Jesus comes back, will he find faith on earth? The lesson we, we he, read here is, is that never give up. No matter how, how long it goes, we, never, we ask God for strength in our faith so we never grow weary in well-doing. We never give up. We continue to trust in the Lord. Because Jesus wondered, when he comes back, will, will have everyone given up on him? You know, trust God no matter what we go through. I, when was it? Um, in February 1st, 2016, I, I officially pushed the button for retirement and began to think of what I might be doing after the military. I knew that God wanted me here to continue the work that he has given me, but I needed a job. And during that time, 
things started falling into place for possibly getting a job as a wounded warrior advocate at the base. And people that I didn't really know were telling leadership that I was the guy. Sergeant Underwood is the one to have that job if it ever it comes up. Now, my, I want to tell you something. When somebody you don't know suddenly advocates for you, that's God. That's not you. That's not me. I'm not, I don't have a lot of charisma. Um, that's God. That's God directing things and directing the minds of people to achieve his purposes. And so I, and I had a gut feeling that was God. That at some point I, I would end up getting this job. But he's per, God, I felt like God was working a job for me. So I trust that's, that's what I thought might happen. And uh, so six months goes by. So it's six months out from when I am going to be retiring officially. And I'm starting to get nervous because the job hasn't come open yet. There's it's still talk. And uh, as long as I've worked in government, stuff can take years. It could have easily taken five to ten years for that job to open up. And I started getting nervous. Um, so I decided to go to a local job fair. Now, at the time, I had a certification that was of high value. Um, many companies uh, would be more than happy. Very, I, I could, a lot of companies were looking for the certification that I had, especially having 10 years experience in that area. And I would have been paid very well um, if I had gone that route. Uh, and so I thought, well, I'm sure there's a lot of companies that would be interested in me with my certification. So I'm going to go to this job fair and, and just check things out. I know it looks like you know, God wants me to have this other wounded warrior job, but I'm just going to check this in case. So I did that. And I went to this job fair and I visited with over 200 different companies. And I walked out of there with nothing. Not one company out of 200 was interested in the least bit in my certification, in my skill set. And I said, I was in the parking lot going to my car, and I said, okay, God, I'm sorry. Because I, what I did was not out of faith. Now, I'm not saying that going to a job fair is not trusting God. I'm saying for me at that moment it was because I knew God had been was working something out for me. And so um, I retired, ceremony, in, in November of 2016. And, and I, in December, I kind of took time off. Um, I... But uh, January came and there was still no war in the job. And my paycheck with the Air Force was about to stop as of February 1st in 2017. And so I got nervous again. And I asked, job, I asked God if I could take a job at a hardware store. And I said, Lord, if this is not your will, please don't let it work out. And... Within a couple hours, I got a job at the hardware store, and I worked there for about a month before this wounded warrior job came up, and and I was called, I was scheduled for a telephone interview, which really wasn't an interview at all. It was welcome to the team kind of discussion, and I had a job. 
and I put in my notice with the hardware store. And the hardware store, while I was working there for about a month, wasn't super exciting. It wasn't, um, compared to the work I'd been doing, it wasn't very fulfilling. And it was a little painful. It was a little boring for me. Uh, and I realize now that had I just rested and just trusted the Lord, I, I, I didn't really need to take that job. I didn't need that money. Because, see, I, I, I got my last paycheck from the Air Force February 1st of that year. And March 1st, I started getting paid for my new company. So if I hadn't worked, money would have been maybe a little tight. I had a bunch of money saved up. I think I would have been fine. But I didn't trust the Lord, and God let me go ahead and take that job, which caused me more pain. Persistent. Staying persistent in what? In our faith. And our faith drives our prayer. And our prayer feeds our faith. Let's look at the second part, the second parable here. Verse 9. He also told his parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. So we got another uh, kind of a introduction to this, the purpose of this parable. Verse 10, two men went up to the temple complex to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee took his stand, or you could also translate that into, uh, or was standing, or standing by himself. And was praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And then he goes on to list his, uh, his resume. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. And then in contrast, but, that contrasting statement there, but the tax collector standing afar off, probably too afraid to be close to God. Maybe sitting, if it was in church, maybe he's sitting in the back pew Seen a lot of people do that. Would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest, a sign of mourning back in those days. And saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, verse 14, I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. 
He was justified rather than the other based on his awareness of his situation. When I was in high school, I was at a friend's house. Her sister, teenage sister, had a baby. Baby was about one or so, couldn't walk yet, was crawling around. And this teenage mother was a uh, terrible teenage mother. She uh, she put the child out in the backyard like like a dog, and and go and do her thing, and then come back and check on the child periodically, and make sure it didn't get out of the backyard. Um. So I, I stopped by, and, and while I was there, I heard a commotion, and I went to the back door, and she she couldn't find her baby. And so we go in the backyard, look around. How could the baby have gotten out of the backyard? And I'm looking around, and I see a ladder leaning up against the house. And I thought, oh, no way, no way. And I just back away from the house, and I look up. And at the very top, at the crest of the roof, this baby was sitting there. Smiling, happy as can be, completely oblivious to the danger that he was in. One wobble, either way, would mean certain death for the baby. So I climbed up that ladder onto the roof, very carefully, walked towards the child, doesn't have to startle it, and, and got hold of the baby and carried it back down. And promptly remove the ladder from the roof. That baby had no idea what danger he was in. And so it is with sinners. They're just living their life out every weekend, drinking with the buddies. They're, they're, they're cheating on their spouses. They're, they're cheating on their taxes. They're lying. They're living the life that what's right in their own eyes, completely oblivious to the danger that they're in, that at any moment they can be launched into eternity and stand before God. This Pharisee had no idea what danger he was in. But the tax collector knew. He was very aware of his situation. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He was repentant. You see, salvation starts with humility. This realization that, oh, I'm not right with God. I need help. I need someone to save me. I'm lost. And he was justified rather than the other. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. There's a contrast here. Just like the parable of the widow, we see this contrast. We see a contrast between spiritual pride and godly humility. Spiritual pride is a sin. It can happen with those who aren't religious. Self-righteousness. I've got everything figured out. I know what I'm going to do. It's also a very common sin of Christians. 
particularly ones who have been walking with God for a long time, you feel you start to feel like you've got everything figured out. You start to think pretty well of your own merits, all the things that you've done for God. That's spiritual pride. And then at the opposite end, we have godly humility. So let's look at this comparison here. The spiritual pride is confident with their own self-righteousness. What I've done, what I've accomplished for the Lord. And then godly humility presumes no self-righteousness. Anything I've done is as filthy rags before the Lord. Spiritual pride looks down on others. You're different. You're of the world. Those are spiritually prideful. Brag about the fact that they don't have any sinners in their church. They're completely oblivious to their own sin. The godly humble recognizes their unworthiness before God. The spiritual prideful doesn't admit personal sin. Oh, I can't, I can't do that. I can't admit I was angry for the wrong reasons. The godly humility admits personal sins. The spiritual prideful sees faults in others, criticizes others. We, I see it on Facebook all the time. The godly humility sees own faults and need for forgiveness. Spiritual prideful performs religious deeds before others. Oh, look how amazing I am. I've done this for this for this person and that person. I've given this money. I've noticed that, you know, Facebook to have opportunity to um, donate to some good cause. Great. But then it asks you, who do you want to share this with? Who do you want to tell that you've given $100 to some certain cause? But the godly humble prays for mercy before God. The spiritual prideful refuses salvation and, and exalts myself. I, I, I can make it on my own merits Why? while the godly humble receives salvation, receives it. I can't earn it. I need to receive it and is exalted by God. Let's be humble. We need to pray. We need to pray. This 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 time, this this coronavirus breakout, the everything going on in the world, we are God is forcing us to have some downtime. We need to take advantage of that. So rather than binge watching something, or spending uh, an inordinate amount of time uh, playing video games. Why not make it a special time of prayer? We need it. We need revival in this country. And this is a perfect time for it to happen. And the only way it will happen is if people humble themselves before God and call upon his name as I mentioned that verse in the beginning from Isaiah, my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So pray. Maybe read a book about prayer. 
Andrew Murray's School of Prayer is a wonderful book to start with, and if you want ideas, I have lots of them. And finally, pray with your family. Bring your kids together and wrap your arms around them and pray over them. They need it. Let me close today's sermon with a poem that I shared on social media. Earlier this week I found this, um, and I hope it's a blessing to you. When you are weary in body and soul, cumbered with many a care, when work is claiming its strength, taking toll, make it a matter of prayer. And when you're discouraged, distraught, or dismayed, sinking almost in despair, remember there's one who will come to your aid if you'll make it a matter of prayer. And when you are lost in this world's tangled maze, when life seems a hopeless affair, direction will come for all of your ways if you'll make it a matter of prayer. Make it a matter of prayer. Whatever concerns you today, make it a matter of prayer. Okay, so we are going to end that. And one second here. All right. Thank you for joining us today. If you liked what you heard, you're welcome to give us a rating, a review on Apple iTunes. If you have any questions, need anything, uh, you're welcome to email us at servantsheartchapel at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can find our website at servantsheartchapel.org. Thank you so much and have a blessed day.